everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where I am proud to say I love my desk. I love my desk. I love my desk. I love this mic. I love this room. Yes, I am back here in the studio for the first time since, I don't know, a million years ago in a COVID. And my Lord, it feels good. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, General Manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here right after Allison and right before Nahum's live lunch. It is a beautiful, beautiful slightly crazy humid morning here in New York. And I must say that uh, I looked at the assembled minion in my backyard. It was the first morning that we had minion in my backyard um, as uh, things have now slowly opened up for backyard minion in the in uh, the greater New York area, I'll say. And um, I was completely overwhelmed. I was completely over- overwhelmed and Baruch Shanatan Torali, Amo Yisrael Bikdusha, so are the words that came out of my mouth when I saw the minion assembled in my backyard. So we are, we are keeping our distance. We are wearing masks. We are being respectful and certainly being careful. But my Lord, was it nice to see people back together again to daven with a minion. Uh, I hope everyone's washing their hands using soap and water still. Sing happy birthday twice, that's for sure. Practice social distancing. Make sure you wear masks. Still, don't go out unless you need to. Be responsible. Be respectful. But, uh, yeah, I'm super happy to be back here in the studio. It is, um, it's really, it's it's overwhelming to be here as well. It's, um, and yes, as Nahum mentioned on JM AM this morning when I was able to join him then, we, uh, we were sitting many, many, many feet apart, but uh, that is certainly the responsible way of handling it. We are not taking anything lightly, and we're encouraging you not to do not to take anything lightly either, but I, I can't, <laughs> as you could tell, I can't stress enough just how happy I am to be here. He's not back yet, but we welcome him by phone. Good morning, Yoni. Yeah, you won't let me back, but everyone else is back, huh? Well, Yoni, remember we're being responsible. <laughs> It's all about okay. it's all about being healthy and being responsible. Good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? I thank God I'm well. Have you davened yet with a minion? Not yet. No. Too hard Not to. Yeah. It's pretty hard, I would imagine, to have a you know twelve. Tw- uh, 10 men six feet apart somewhere in Manhattan, unless you have a big space that's not really being used. Yeah, so the school that I attend sent that an email saying it's like, and I spoke to the rabbi, you know, separately, but it's just like it's hard to do it in the city. Like you said, unless right. you have a parking lot, unless you have some sort of backyard, which many of the schools in the city don't, unless, like what are you going to do? You're going to tell people, let's meet at Central Park in this spot? Like it's like it's a little it's, – it's less than feasible. So they, they announced it's going to be another few weeks. They're going to try to concoct some sort of plan. Um, but that might – or they might not even do outdoors, just go straight indoors at that point. So. Right. And I'd also imagine that right now in the uh, Matzav, in the situation, the climate in which we find right. ourselves, 10 Jews donning Tolleson's fill in the middle of Central Park, probably not the smartest idea I've ever heard in my life. Right. So yeah, we're a gonna- few more weeks. Right. Well, just err on the right. side of caution, yeah. and that 10:30 minion that you've been attending now, or as my nephews would say, the 11:20 minion that they've been attending until now. You know, it's going to last a little bit longer. Yeah, and and those uh, congregants of that minion are not complaining. Right. Here, so. Exactly. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday who um, was, you know, talking about the minyanim that are getting together in his neighborhood and reaching out to different people. And somebody said to him, listen, I didn't go to Minion before COVID, and I'm not going to Minion after COVID. I'm like, okay, there's that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
So certain- well, what I find interesting is while I'm hearing like the new outdoor minyanim, and I hear someone like on Shabbos like 8 a.m. or 8:30, and I'm just like, why? Like, aren't people now used to a little bit of a 9:30 schedule? Maybe 10 o'clock? Like, what's the rush? Right. So there. So let's just say that the backyard minion in my uh, in my backyard. Uh, started yeah. at started at seven, and there were a couple of Wallachs who were <laughs> less than happy um, to be called on to make minion at seven a.m. Though they were there, they were certainly there. They were ready and raring to go at seven, as were the other members of the minion. And I would also like to mention, because I think she deserves a shout out, that uh, the Wallach backyard minion also had a women's section, which is an advantage that you can have in a backyard that has a little bit of a of a of a set of steps and an overhang where somebody a woman can safely Ooh, nice. and appropriately stand. It was our mock Ezra Snushim. It worked out just just fine. Um and uh yes, Shoshana Wallach was also in attendance. So I do Yeah. You know when you when you turn bar mitzvah, you don't expect that early on in your uh you know, filling and minion counting career that you're gonna have to wake up that early sometimes. Right. Right, and you also don't you also don't expect to have to be the minion man, like right, also yeah. How many times are we going to play minion man this week? I I don't know, and <laughs> and I keep referring to people as minion man, but yeah, you know, you you always assume, especially living in the five towns, that somebody else is just going to be that guy who shows up because sure. because when are you lacking ten people somewhere, ten men somewhere? But uh, certainly was the situation. Uh, has was almost the situation until the uh, Wallach younger men said yes, we will be up to make minions. So uh, <laughs> okay, good, yeah, very nice. It was a little bit of a tense moment, but thank God. Um, yeah. All right, Yoni, I will uh, I will sign off with you. I will just also say that we look forward to having you back in the studio. Mm-hmm. Likewise. Yes, we are. See you soon. Yeah, please God, very, very soon. All right, let's go through the national holidays. But before we do, I must give a shout-out to Rabbi Chaim Hagler and the entire Yeshivat Noam team, not only for, again, infusing education with excitement and with joy and with happiness and demonstrating just how much they love their school and how much school spirit they have and how much they love their kids, but also continually making the rest of us look bad. I'm just kidding on that part, but really, shout out. If you haven't seen any of the Yeshivat Noam traveling graduation celebrations, the videos are everywhere. And as uh, Rabbi David Beshefkin mentioned on Twitter, it certainly reinvigorates your excitement and your hope for Jewish education when you see demonstrations of love and education like this. So a tremendous shout out to everyone at Yeshivat Noam under Rabbi Hagler's leadership. Rabbi, you continue to inspire. Let's go through the national holidays. Uh, It's Hug Your Cat Day. No, no. If you have a cat, go for it. I'm not a cat person, so I wouldn't be doing this under any, any, any circumstances. You know, I, I know that there are people who are dog people and there are people who are cat people. I'm a dog person even though I don't have one. I don't understand cats at all. I don't think they understand me either. Um, it's also National Punk Day. Well, if you see the uh, increase in uh, graffiti uh, in various parts of Manhattan, you'd say that that is certainly being celebrated. It's Old Maids Day. I think that that's the card game. I don't think that's a diss on anybody. I'm pretty sure that it's the card game. And also, it's National Safe Day. Yeah, let's let's just be safe, folks. Let's exhibit safety in so many different ways. I also just want to remind everyone, as Nahum and I discussed this morning on JM in the AM, resume at NahumSiegel.com is an active email address. We are encouraging you to send 
Uh, your resume is in, in in our hopes that we can do whatever we can to help facilitate employment for those of our listeners who are unemployed or were laid off or were furloughed as a result of COVID. We really encourage you to dust off your resume, send it in. I can't make you any promises that uh, a, a, a professional shidduch will definitely be made, but I'm certainly reading every single resume that comes in. And we will we, we, we pledge to do our best. We ask our listeners to sponsor us and to support us during our fundraiser. You can go to fjbunity.org. And in turn, we try to do our best to support you as well, not only with daily live programming. Nahum has not missed a day. With the exception of Shabbos and Yontif, this man is here all the time, literally all the time. So the same way we look to support you in various different ways with live programming um, we're hoping to help you this way as well. You can send your resume, resume at nachumsegel.com, and we will certainly do our best to help you out. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. I welcome my guest. This is a topic which many people are not particularly excited to talk about, and we'll explain why, and I'm sure she hears that a lot. Karen Birnbaum joins us. She is a senior associate with um, she's a senior associate with Schwartz Ettinger Law Firm. She is uh, she practices estate planning, trust and estate administration, and elder law. She has over ten years of experience advising clients on how to protect themselves, their loved ones, and their businesses in the event of death, incapacity, or disability. Karen, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. So is it safe to say not too many people want to talk to you about, uh, you know, wills, estates, and end-of-life issues? You know, it's funny because I I always open up. I I do a lot of webinars and seminars, and I always open up with people saying, uh, you know, I don't really need to worry about estate planning because I'm invincible, or I don't like to think about death, or it's very morbid, or I don't have a lot of assets. So COVID has really opened people's eyes up to various issues that come up with estate planning that makes the phone stop ringing now, whereas before it was kind of like a struggle right. um, to get to us. So you're, so you're hearing from a lot more people who are all of a sudden faced with their own mortality or the mortality of their loved ones when beforehand they were just treating the, the issue or the area of their will and their estate as something that they will get to eventually. Right. You know, I don't need to worry about it right now. I'm only 45 years old, but I'll worry about it when I'm 85 years old. So I'm not dying anytime soon. Uh, surprise, you know, we don't have a, a crystal ball to know what's coming. And, and COVID has really shown people that. Right. People who are otherwise healthy are not healthy anymore. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of people have passed. Right. A hundred percent. As somebody who's turning 45, you basically just described me (laughs) and my attitude towards wills, trusts, and estate. So let's just backtrack for a second. Talk to me generally, because trusts and estates is a big term. What exactly does that encompass? So that's a great question, because something I wanted to enlighten people on is that estate planning is not only trust and estates and wills and worrying about what happens when I'm no longer here with my assets, with guardianship for minor children. It's not only that. It's actually taking care of yourself while you're alive as well. So documents like a health care proxy, a power of attorney. So estate planning, trust estates, it covers really from, I'll say you're 45, but really from the time you're 18 when you're no longer a child under the law till, you know, after you pass away. So estate planning trust estates, it's everything. It's anything making sure that you're taken care of 
healthcare decisions, financial decisions while you're alive, but also when you're no longer here. And I also think we need to clarify um, the term estate, because normally when you hear someone, you're referring to someone's estate, you imagine that the people who need that assistance, need that legal guidance are millionaires. That is not the case. Exactly. <laughs> that is not the case. No, it's estate planning is anything. You can have $5 and still have a will. What happens if you have minor children? Are you providing guardianship uh, provisions for them? Who's taking care of your kids when you're no longer here? Your most important possession, right? Um, Who's taking care of disabled children if you have? If you have a business, you don't have to have significant assets. You want to make sure what you do have, though, goes where you want it to go, and specifically providing for your loved ones, your kids, your siblings, whatever your family situation may be. Right. Karen Birnbaum joins us this morning here on That's Life. We're discussing estate planning and trust and estate questions, elder law, all in the era of COVID. How has your, I mean, obviously you're either Zooming or you're you're making phone calls, they're calling you, et cetera, but how in general has your interaction been with new clients as of uh, the hitting of corona? Um, in terms of interactions, I always do a consult, uh, I don't know, a five-minute consult on the phone first, but I've been doing so many Zoom meetings and there's a lot that happens in a face-to-face meeting that gets lost on a Zoom meeting. So not only, you know, the diagrams that I draw, I've been using there's a whiteboard function on Zoom, but just certain um, mannerisms or signals between spouses that you pick up on when you're sitting face-to-face with someone that you can't really pick up on uh, over Zoom, you know, kicking somebody under the table (laughs) and the spouse jumps. You know, you don't see that um, because we do discuss a lot of – private issues that maybe um, people don't want uh, help in the house to know or people don't want their children to hear. But when you're doing a meeting from home, it's a little bit different. You can't exactly have full disclosure all the time. Um, So I would say that has been a bit of a struggle, Um, but I say struggle loosely because it's not, it's not keeping people from, from moving forward with their estate planning. And what is, it's definitely different. Right. No, I I appreciate that. And it's funny because I didn't, until you just mentioned it now, I didn't even consider the psychology that goes into speaking to, speaking to a couple, speaking to spouses about, you know, their estate planning. I I would imagine, you know, people like myself don't, who don't want to even on their own, even if it was one-on-one with an attorney, discuss their own mortality and end-of-life questions. But, you know, looking at the dynamics between a cus- between a couple, a husband and wife, etc., it is plays such an important part in in what you're doing for them. I didn't appreciate that until you just talked about the body language. A hundred percent. There's so much psychology and social work that goes into these meetings. It's not just black and white. Um, things that that you or I may think are simple, the other person may not think are simple. So there's so much that goes in. So much reading a person and discussion, absolutely. And they don't teach you that in law school. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't. That's got There's a lot they don't teach you in law school. That's just one of the many things. <laughs> right. Every once in a while, I'll say something to my husband like, they didn't teach you that in torts. Um, and <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> no, they, they certainly, certainly do not. So what is the first step? Obviously, contacting an attorney in your field is technically the first step but what is the first thing that you would do in terms of you know this five-minute consultation that our listeners might already be afraid to do and you need to put them at ease 
So the first thing that really overwhelms people is having an idea of what your assets are. And I'm not talking about gazillionaires because those people know what their assets are. (laughs) Just knowing what your assets are, where they're held, how they're titled, because people think they know everything. Um, I know about what I know about, and I know that I don't know certain things. Some people don't feel that way about their assets. They think they know if I have an asset um, joined with my child, I could still do a will and give everything to all three children that I have. So people need to understand how their assets are held, um, who, who, meaning who owns them, mm-hmm. what the values are, and then that's how, how we get the process started. That overwhelms people a lot. Right. You mean I need to tell you, you know, and I, and I always tell them I don't need to know to the penny. But I need an idea, and that's relevant in terms of how your assets get distributed after 120, but also um, relevant for other issues. So if there are more complex issues that come along um, in terms of capital gains tax or estate tax concerns, uh, you want to make sure you have all this information. And when you have a consultation with a client, you need to have this information so you could have the right conversation. You know, I don't want to talk about estate tax planning for somebody who only has $50,000 $50,000 to their name. So that's the first step, getting your assets in line. Getting your, ass- um, getting your mm-hmm. assets in line. It, it's, it's, um, it sounds so, and I'm going to use this term even though it's not, it sounds so basic. It sounds so like, of course you need to know what you have. But I, I imagine that God knows what the percentage is. A high percentage of people sit down with you and they're like, well, I, I, I haven't even thought about that. What do you mean what do I have? Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then what, I, I have a house. Does that count? Yes, it counts. Right, right. That counts. You know, so many other things count that you wouldn't necessarily appreciate in terms of asset. And yes, we're not talking about, it was, I liked your line before, millionaires know what they have. Yes, millionaires know. They do. It's right. true, right? They have advisors up to Wazoo. But it's not, and you know what? But even them, you need to go over their assets with them because I have a lot of couples where you sit with a, with them and one spouse knows nothing and the other spouse knows everything. That's not okay either. Right. That um, is not so okay either. It goes either. both ways. 100%. At what point, and of course this becomes even the most sensitive of topics, What at what point do you discuss living wills and end-of-life decisions, proxies, etc.? Um, that's actually the first thing I discuss, and I'll tell you why. Because I believe that that is one of the most important things you can ever do for yourself, but also for your loved ones. Your healthcare proxy, having somebody um, appointed to make healthcare decisions for you, is such a crucial document. If you, if I appointed you as my healthcare agent, um, how do you know what I want? Mm. How do you know what I want in X, Y, Z situation? So that's actually the first thing I discuss with my clients, and I always tell them the most important thing about what we discuss is that when we finish and when we sign your document, you go to your healthcare agent and you tell them exactly what you want in X, Y, Z situation so that they can be acting on your behalf and feel comfortable that they're doing exactly as you wish. And also they have peace of mind that they're doing exactly as you wish. So I, I bring that up to start. Healthcare proxies, powers of attorneys, living wills. My, my opening line, very exciting. Right. <laughs> I would imagine the first date with you is probably pretty extreme. Oh, it's thrilling. It's thrilling. Right. <laughs> so everything after that is easy, no? 
and I'm using that term lightly, obviously, but I'm just saying you've conquered the most sensitive part, which is people facing their own mortality. You're asking them to deal with this. Right. Of course. Trust me, I'm not minimizing it. You couldn't have this conversation with me in a million years, (laughs) but, (laughs) and I'm being, let's talk about that, Miriam. (laughs) Right. I know that's the psychology part that's going to happen after we finish the interview. But, um, but, but seriously, like, does that make, does that technique and, and I, and I completely respect it. Don't get me wrong. But does that technique as a result make all other conversations much easier that you've, you, I, I almost liken it to, uh, you know, a first date with somebody and you look at them. So do you want to make Aliyah like that to me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, t- um, you know, I, it's more, you know, the way I present it anyway, it's more of an education, right. um, of how it works. And really eye opening is for anybody who has children age 18 and up, they need these documents as well. Um, I was involved in a situation where a child was driving up to school and got into a car accident and taken to a hospital and the parents couldn't find out anything about their child till they actually drove to the hospital and were able to see him in person. So it's crucial. And, and depending on the age of the clients and the age of their children, you know, that's important. Wow. These are the things that really matter and people don't think about. No, I certainly didn't um, think about it. And I have two kids who are over 18 in a million years until you brought this up. It would not have crossed my mind in a second. So I'll just tell you, Miriam, I do prepare free powers of attorneys and healthcare proxies for college students because that's how strongly I believe in it. So if they're college age students, send them my way. I'll help you out. No, oh, I appreciate it. You don't have it. to think about it. I, 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 I'm more, I, I very much appreciate it. And I'm sure other parents do as well. I'm, I'm talking this morning with Karen Birnbaum. She is a senior associate at Schwartz Ettinger. You can find more information at schwartzettinger.com. She, um, she's concentrated, her practice is concentrated in estate planning, trust and estate administration, elder law, which we certainly have to, I, I, I mean, I'm sure, and I don't want to get bogged down in the politics, et cetera, but I'm sure as everything was unfolding here in New York with COVID and with the nursing homes, et cetera, that you were, your mind was probably reeling um, regarding, yeah. regarding the number of deaths and, and everything that transpired and, and continues to transpire with the nursing home situation here. It's devastating. Um, I have some clients who've passed away. I have some friends whose grandparents have passed away. Some clients' parents passed away. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, it, it's there certain, are no words. Yeah, no, I agree <laughs> with you. It certainly is crazy. And I, I guess, like, this is, you know, this is a ridiculous question almost, but I sort of just want to end with this conversation. Is there a point that it's too late to handle matters? It's never too late. There is what's called post-mortem planning. So if there was planning that should have been done beforehand, it it sometimes can be done after. Um, in terms of not having health care proxies and powers of attorney, you can go to the Supreme Court and have a guardian appointed on your behalf or your family really does it for you because at that point you don't have capacity. Um, but the outcome may be different than what right. you really wish, which is why I always stress it's so important to be proactive as opposed to reactive. A hundred percent. Don't be intimidated <laughs> right. and just get it done. You think about it. For five minutes, whenever or an hour, however long it takes for you to have your meeting, you sign your documents, and then it's a weight off your shoulders. You don't have to think about uh, until you have to think about it again. By uh, the way, right? Until you have to <laughs> until until you have to think about it at, at another time or after 120 years, somebody has to think about it on your behalf. Right. Exactly. Right. SchwartzEttinger.com. That's S C H. 
W-A-R-T-Z-E-T-T-E-N-G-E-R.com. Karen, what is another way that people can easily connect with you if they're interested in, in hearing more? Absolutely. Uh, they can give me a call at 631-777-2401, or they could send me an email. Uh, my email address is K for Karen, B for Birnbaum, at S-E-Law-N-Y.com, and S-E is for Schwarzenegger, Law, and Y for New York.com. Karen, I, I really, I thank you very, very much. You, you've certainly, you know, done a good job in pushing me in the direction I probably needed to go or I clearly needed to go anyway. But you've also done a very good job, in my opinion, of putting people like me at ease, that, that this is something, I mean, we, we're parents, we're spouses, we're, we're, we're daughters, we're children. Everyone has a responsibility to both themselves and their families to consider matters, even if they're uncomfortable, to consider matters while you still can. That's right. You hit the nail on the head. Thank you very, very much for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, a personal shout out to every member of your family who happens to be listening <laughs> now. I really appreciate. Thanks, yeah, I really appreciate <laughs> the um, the connection that was made. So, so thank, thank you, you. Miriam. Thank you. And stay safe. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. An afternoon of full programming continues here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And the live lunch starts in just a few moments. That's at 11 a.m. Tune in. Don't miss it. Throwback Thursday at 1 p.m. JM Rewind at 4 p.m. And, of course, the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zomik, brought to you by our friends at Kedem, starts at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Don't miss it. Tomorrow morning, join Nachum as he hosts JM and the AM. It's an extended version. And at the conclusion of JM and the AM, join Naomi for Table for Two starting around 9.30 a.m. The encore of the Arab Shabbos music mix will be will start at 9.30 after Table for Two. And then, of course, the, uh, the sorry, the Arab Shabbos show at <laughs> will encore at 930 and the Arab Shabbos music mix, both br- both brought to you by our friends at Kedem, will continue up until candlelighting here in the New York area. Saturday Night Seagull, hosted by Avrami, starts at 9 p.m. Eastern. Matas hosts JM Sunday, 7 a.m. Eastern time. Folks, again, we implore you to support our ongoing fundraising campaign. We are here live every day. Please help us continue to make that happen for you. Go to fjbunity.org and donate today. Closing today with Light the Way by the Moshav Band. Yeah, this phrase, this this stanza has been in my head the entire week. The whole world's on fire. Flames are getting higher. We'll carry each other, turn around, and start all over. Well, as my grandparents would say, Amir Tzashem by us. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Everybody